The Heather McCoy Show. Welcome back to The Heather McCoy Show. Um, yeah, so I'm new to this public affairs thing, and uh, the wise thing would have been to uh, run my NAM series in one hour, just straight get it over with, because I do have 60 minutes of interviews of, of from that show. But uh, me being me and me not thinking about this all the way through, I didn't do that. So this is part two of uh, NAM 2013. I'm at one of the booths at NAM this Sunday morning, and I'm at Booty Shakers, and their tagline is Undercover Your Tone. So what does that mean exactly? Well, basically, we're making a foam decoupling device that you use with a snare stand or you use on the legs of your floor tom, and it decouples that drum from an object of greater mass, which robs the energy. So when you decouple with the foam in our products, Booty Shakers and Little Booty Shakers, it allows that drum to resonate and ring and just get all the tone uh, that you can out of it. And so can you give us a demonstration real fast? Sure. So here's the drum without. And then with. And now here's the drum with. So we get all that low end back. We get long resonance. And uh, we just get a happy drum. Do you have like a little like box or something to store these in when you go out on the road? Uh, no. Most guys just kind of keep them on the legs of their drum and put it in their hardware case. Or they just uh, leave it on their snare stand for the little booty shaker. So... Oh, okay. And then this works for all the floor drums? Yep, it'll work for any floor tom uh, that has mounted with the legs um, or any snare stand. Some, since some of the other drums get mounted onto the other pieces, does that have an effect with the top drums, like the, I think the ton and the, yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't make a product that works with a hoop or a suspension mount, like you're saying, that yeah. where people hang them. Um, our product kind of works on a different uh, angle that when you're mounting horizontally and the drum's resting on it, it works better. When you're hanging, that's a, that, that is a good way to do it, but it's also pulling on the drum and connecting that drum to an object of greater mass still, even though it allows movement. Yeah, um, and so if people listening on, uh, on the air uh, want to know more about your product, where can they find you on the web? They can find us at uh, tnrproducts.com. That's letter T, letter N, letter R, products.com. Oh, thank you very much. All right, thank you. So we're with Benjamin, and he works at Fishman, who it's like a, it's a really interesting computer interface. You hook it up to your guitar, and you can make any instrument, you can make your guitar sound like any instrument, basically. Uh, when did Fishman start, and uh, when did this product come out? Um, the product isn't out yet. It's actually going to be out in March. Oh, wow. And so it's a new product for Fishman called Triple Play. And it, the hardware for it is a pickup that goes on your guitar and it mounts on your guitar. And it wirelessly transmits MIDI to a little dongle-looking thing that uh, goes into the USB port of the, of the computer. And it's class compliant, so you plug it in into a Mac or PC or an iPad or a receptor or whatever it is. Super easy, no driver. And you're getting really good, clear MIDI signal from the guitar. What was impressive about it was the fact that um, the interface, the, uh, the bottom interface that you can use with the foot, uh, basically... It seemed like you can do a lot of stuff with it, and it was very straightforward and clean. Yeah, it's, it's just really versatile. I mean, you can use your own sequencer with your own sounds if you have big sample libraries, or it, it uh, ships with um, contact elements and Notion's uh, progression software for writing tablature, as well as a version of uh, Studio One and a version of Sample Tank. So it comes with a bunch of sounds where you can just play the guitar, and you, know, you get you know, uh, organs, keyboards, pianos, electric keyboards, you know, saxophones, orchestras, all sorts of really good sounds. But what's really awesome about it is it just tracks so much better than what, what these 
kind of interfaces have done historically. It's very accurate. It doesn't act funny. It's just it's it's really fun. People just sit here and say like, oh my gosh, this is this is this is fun. I can play the instruments. You can play drums on your guitar. Absolutely, you can wail away on the drums. This guy who does the demo here at the booth just kills it. Kills it. <laughs> yeah. The um, what different applications can you use the product for? Um, it's great for sequencing. Like a lot of times, keyboard or, uh, guitar players have to learn some keyboards so they can start sequencing in you know for uh, you know orchestration or film scores. But instead of that, you can just play guitar into your sequencer. Uh, that's great. Uh, it's great for notating. Like you can write tablature for it. You can record into progression, and it will write the tab for you. Uh, and it's great for live performance. You know, you can just get keyboardish kind of sounds instead of just a guitar sound. You can have a keyboard. You know, you can have a Rhodes part in your song. And yeah. uh, how how easy is it to use on the road? I, the demonstration guy had a laptop that was right beside him. Do you would you always have to go back to the laptop to change things up? Or um, no, there's a little switch on the guitar that can switch up and down between patches. So you can set up patches on the software and split between them. Oh, that is really cool. So the product launches in a few months. How would you, someone get a hold of it? Um, you know, I think it's going to be really widely distributed. I'd say just search for Triple Play and you can, I bet, just find a ton of stores. But yeah, uh, should, be, uh, should be shipping out in March for, I think we're told, uh, 399 street price. That is really cool. Um, what kind of system requirements do you have to run uh, as far as your computer goes? Uh, pretty simple. I mean, honestly, we weren't really given uh, specifications because it doesn't, like, itself to get MIDI into the computer, you can use probably anything that's even 10 years old. I mean, it's better than it's up to you just to have good sound or, you know, good sample software to use for that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Benjamin, for your time and uh, enjoy the rest of your NAMM show. Thanks. Thanks for the interview. So we're standing with Michael, who is, uh, what do you do with uh, ZT amplifiers? I'm the chief, chief operations officer. Oh, okay. So um, can you tell us about the amplifiers? Yeah, uh, we started this company about five years ago uh, based on the assumption that uh, musicians deserved better than the same technology that had been used for the last 50 or 60 years to design guitar amps, big, big heavy tube amps. Um, and we, we were able to use um, really advanced technology to kind of rethink the, the way amplifiers are designed. And what we did is we made a, a stage-ready amp with enough output to get up over a drummer that weighs less than 10 pounds. And that was our original product called the Lunchbox. The Lunchbox is very small, and it can go over drums. Um, what technology are you using that's different? Is it patented? Or? It's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a synergistic design. So we design... The, uh, the volume of the cabinet, the driver itself is a custom-made driver, all the electronics inside, including some digital signal processing, which is uh, kind of the secret sauce in, in how we get our amps so loud out of such a small package. It's, it's a very uh, a complicated process. It involves a lot of uh, um, equalization, um, compression in certain areas, and, and uh, fine-tuning of all the components together. What's the like main feature that these amps have that the other amps, you know, your competition doesn't have? The the main feature is the uh, the uh, output per pound. It's real simple. I mean, nobody else is doing what we're doing, not even close. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time and uh, enjoy the rest of the Nam show. Thanks. Okay. And so I'm sitting in another booth, and uh, if you ever have musical equipment that you don't need anymore, like old drums, uh, Terry from 
What's your company's called? It's called Drumature. And you make basically furniture out of old drums. Um, you have a table lamp and a full-on like bar table out of a lot of like two kick drums and is those two tons on there? Yeah. yeah. They got drawers in the back. They got shelves in it. You could do anything. Put all your glasses and make it a bar or anything. But most of these I find in the trash. Uh, a lot of people like to want to play drums for five minutes and break everything, and everything goes in the back of a closet. And those are the drums I want, all the unwanted drums that nobody wants. I make beautiful art out of. How long does it take to repaint and do a piece of furniture like this table here? Uh, well, actually, I don't repaint it. I, re I just re-skin uh, it. I use photo paper and plastic to laminate over. It looks brand new, but uh, it usually takes between 10 to 20 hours per drum if a normal size drum. Yeah. So what is your most ambitious piece that you've ever created? It would have to be this one right here. This <laughs> this big piece I made for Nam. We just got it done before I got here. So uh, it's pretty impressive and everybody thinks it's amazing. It is amazing. It's got at least like four or five different pieces. How do you transport such an object? Uh, very carefully. Very, very, very carefully. They were bad drums. They're not bad drums anymore. <laughs> it's a very awesome table. Um, so how, if somebody wanted a table made, how do they get in contact with you? And if they have like an old set of drums that are no longer working anymore, but they have sentimental value and you can make a piece of furniture with them, how would they get in contact with you? Yeah, um, that's my s company slogan is save a drum. So anybody who doesn't want a drum, you know, you can go to drummature.com and get a hold of me through there or visit my Facebook, Drummature. But uh, I, I worked on a few big pieces with the Fender Music Foundation. I did a, a Neil Peart piece that we auctioned off and got $2,500 for. Uh, I worked with Rod Morgesine, uh, 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 Mark Schulman from Pink, you know, a good friend of mine. I've done for, so I've done quite a few for some big-name people. If, if somebody were to ship you a drum that they didn't want anymore, what's a turnaround on how fast you get the product out? Definitely depends on the size and the, uh, you know, the intricacy of the art, but I think... I think within a few weeks, three or four weeks. That is awesome. So, uh, Terry, thank you for your time, and um, enjoy the rest of the NAMM show. Thank you, Heather. So I'm at the booth uh, called Clops, and what is Clops? All right, Clops is I'm the Clops. I'm Clops. That's my nickname. And these are my drums. What we did was we eliminated the speaker cabinet. We took the speakers, your 12-inch drivers for guitar, bass, or keyboard, we took them out of the cabinet and we placed them in uncut drum shells. So now they're separated and they have independence for the first time ever. And, and, they're, and they're 28 inches long. And the reason why they're long is because instead of going to the left or right with the airspace, we, we gave it the same cubic airspace as a 412, but we went behind the speaker. Yeah. And, and uh, if, I'd like to show you if I can. Yeah, if, yeah. And then uh, we're going back to the back of the speaker, and then you can like you go actually, in and out of the drum. Yeah, you actually can EQ the speaker with the cabinet. You grab the hold of the seed and you push it forward. You can brighten up your mids and highs, and it actually increases the volume a little bit. And if you lose bottom end a little bit, you could either pull it back or turn up the volume on your amp. So, what kind of uh, application is Klops mostly designed for? It's designed for recording guitar or live applications. If you're going to mic a 412, ca one speaker in a 412 cabinet, then you really just need one Klops drum, because then your audience can get guitar crystal clear tone without the noise. 
of a cabinet and let's say your drum is a little loud and you need more volume in a traditional cabinet the, the, the higher your volume the the more noise you're gonna get so these things are designed to eat volume they eat sound waves they eat distortion in the sound waves because sound waves actually carry distortion too yeah. and when it hits the wall that's when it becomes mud and that's what everybody's been complaining about for the longest time yeah including me because um, like what really sucks is when you go to live concerts you have to like put earplugs in for it to sound right yeah because you know what I don't know why they don't think of this but when every mic picks up its own everything including the monitors uh, yeah so when you when you they got to figure out a way to to only pick up that only instrument that's yeah. it when you pick up only that instrument you're gonna get a nice beautiful sound from your band yeah. So when you mic a 412, that we're trying to do it. When we pretty much eliminated the other three speakers, and in a here's what's cool though, in a studio, you can audition speakers in real time. So you actually can turn on and off a speaker with that box right there. Oh, that is pretty cool. Yeah. So a, 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 a studio can have a speaker in every drum, and then the guitar player and engineer can run through speakers in real time, and you can use different speakers for different parts of a song, which is unheard of. Yeah. Usually it's one speaker for the whole CD. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, bringing up sound engineers, how hard it, it is, how hard is it to mic this? Uh, it's really easy. Really? You just put a nine, a nine, I think it's a 19 inch gooseneck mount right there, uh -huh. spin it around and that's it, it's done. Oh, okay. It's easy. For each one? Yeah. It would require about four mics to do a clops? If you want to mic all four of them, okay. which I would say, you know, for the rock gods, they could pan left and right and center two, two of them without the noise of the other speakers being right next to it. Yeah. But if you're only going to mic one, right now they're only micing one speaker anyway. So then why even carry the 412 on stage? So um, since you one of the applications that you're saying is it is for the road, how hard is it to carry all the uh, hardware and all the um, scaffolding that ha you know with the speaker system? Okay, the the rack looks intimidating, but it's really only maybe 15 pounds. It's real lightweight. This whole cage takes maybe 10 minutes to set up, and then um, the drums take another five to to load up and wire up. But you got to think that. If you're clubbing, you maybe only need a 112 in one side, one corner. So now we're talking five minutes to set up. Yeah. So if why carry a 150-pound square box if you're going to mic one speaker? So yeah. you could carry a 30-pound cabinet, one of these that uh, stands that only weigh probably five pounds, not even, and set up in five to seven minutes. Where did when did you come up with the idea of clops? Uh, well, my, the name Clops or the company? Uh, just a speaker. Okay, I was uh, some uh, a guy named Drew Peterson in like 2004 told me to to start recording with an amp, and I started recording with an amp, and I liked the vibrations. Uh, it felt a little bit more, you know, real. So, but I, I was also as time was going on, I could hear more and more noise, and I actually c cut. A 412 cabinet into a 212 cabinet, and the 212 cabinet into a 2112 cabinets. So, and and that's how I got the idea of the 112. And then um, I thought of, I knew that the air I can hear my speakers shutting off. So I, I was like, I put padding, glued towels in the corners. So by doing that, I actually 
it worked. It got rid of the the cancellation. Yeah. So basically, I eliminated the corners. Yeah. And and after. I don't know, maybe six years, my wife said, if I can find a way to mount the speaker on a drum shell, um, we could come exhibit at NAMM. So I'm like, all right. So, but the problem is, is it was really, really, really difficult to think to mount that. Because I thought I had to go through the holes of the frame of the speaker. Yeah. And then one day I was in Sam Ash, just like in something you see in a movie, I seen a drum claw on the wall, and I, and I asked the drum guy, I go, what is that thing? He goes, oh, that's a bass drum claw that holds the bass drum, the skin or something on the, the thing. And I go, can I see that? And he grabs it, and as it's coming over to me, I start shaking. I put my hand out, and I'm, I'm shaking, because I'm like, this could probably grab the frame. Yeah, this was your answer. Yeah, yeah. it really was. I, it grabbed, I got home. And I put it on the frame, and I tightened it up, and the speaker, God, the speaker went right on it, and it got tight, and it worked. Yeah. And I called my wife, and I go, I think we can go exhibit at NAM. <laughs> and and then I I actually paid for NAM, right? This was in in uh, summer 2010, and then I built my first drum. Oh, okay. So as long as I mounted the speaker, that was my only problem. And then after it mounted, then I paid for NAM first. Then I built my first drum, which is retarded. <laughs> yeah, but it worked, and you're here. So uh, yeah, this is my first winter Nam and my third Nam, and I, I I just can't believe I do this. Have you had any orders yet? Oh yeah, but it's a very slow process. Very, very, very like like really slow because guitar players and audio guys don't know that this is available. Yeah, yeah. They, don't, they have no idea that this even exists. Well, congratulations on displaying at NAMM, and uh, have a good rest of the show. Thank you very much.